Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today on American Glutton, I'd like to welcome actress and comedian Lisa Brownstein. In 2002, Lisa appeared on The Oprah Winfrey Show to discuss body positivity. She was 375 pounds at the time and proclaimed that she was happy and loved herself the way she was. Since then, she has lost over 200 pounds and is reimagining herself as a smaller person who still wants to eat all the things and go to the gym six days a week. I'm looking forward to talking to her about her journey. You can find her on Instagram at Lisa Brownstein. Lisa Brownstein, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you. I, I, I want to go back to 2002. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. You went on Oprah. Yes. Much heavier than you are now. Yes. And that was like the first iteration prior to like healthy at every size. I don't know that healthy at every size existed then, but it was a very much like body positive moment. It was the first thing I'd ever seen of somebody going like, no, this is me and I'm happy. Yes, exactly. And it was also kind of pre the whole social media that we have now. Yeah. So that was different. I mean, I guess I, there's a lot comes into it because now we have fights over what is right and wrong and right and wrong to think about and right and wrong to posit for other people. And it becomes very confusing based on social media, I think. I don't Definitely. know that we would have gotten to where we're at without social media. Agreed. But clearly, you have put some work into reducing the size of your body. Yes. What changed for you? Well... When I went on Oprah, I was happy with my size, although I did tell her I weighed 335 pounds and I really weighed 385 pounds or 375. And then within the few months after that, I gained more and more weight. And then I decided to try low carb, just like a, man, maybe I'll feel better. I'm also a type two diabetic. Okay. So that's a thing. So, um, Atkins was fun. It was like candy bars and uh, protein bars. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kind of ate the stuff that came in a package. Yeah, that said Atkins. Correct, or said low carb. And then as time went on, it was like up and down, up and down, up and down for a long time. And now I had been dieting as a child too, and then stopped dieting around 1995. Right. So. I feel like I'm all over the place. Um, It took a lot for me to really see that I was in denial about being a food addict. Yeah. So there was a lot more than just going on a low carb diet. It was I had to really deal with my own emotions that food kind of quelled like a drug. Yeah. And that didn't really come until 2018. Okay. I... I've been personally struggling with this a little bit and and 
I don't know necessarily exactly how to communicate it. And I don't even know really how to think about it. But for me, there was always this sense of wrongness with my body. Like my Mm -hmm. first, uh, the the earliest memory I have of being self-aware was that there was something wrong with me. So prior to that, I was five or something. I had no awareness of my body. I just existed and like was in the world without thought about self. And then the first thought about self that entered in was this negative thing. So kind of for the majority of my life, I had this idea that um, if I lost weight, I would feel better about myself. Come to find out that's not true. (laughs) I don't. I still struggle with all the garbage that I struggled with before. And so I've been thinking a lot lately about the idea that this thing of weight, is this a symptom or is this the problem? Do you know what I mean? I Absolutely. It's the symptom. I think so, too. Yeah. I think it isn't the problem. Absolutely. And that, like, whatever the problem is, I still, because I never arrived at a place, no matter what I weighed, I weighed less than I do now. I've weighed more. I've been, <laughs> been all over the place. I've never gotten to a place where I just went like, well, I'm better now. Yeah, no, not you at know? all. Yeah, I, when I was seven is when I started to gain weight. And then when I was nine, my mom put me on Overeaters Anonymous. Right. At nine. Yeah. So like no serenity for me at nine, right? <laughs> so after that, Weight Watchers and all the different diets, my whole life up and down. So every day I was waking up into a world that said there was something wrong with me that I needed to fix. Yeah. But food was always a reward, and it was always a punishment. And it was also what made me feel good. Yeah. So it was really difficult, really difficult. Yeah, I mean, we get into a a situation where there isn't, it's not possible to be successful. No matter what you do, you can't win. You don't feel better. Um, You look great. (laughs) Like, I look at you, and I, you look happy and great, so I would love to acknowledge that. That's good. And I feel like I do get satisfaction out of accomplishing goals, setting and accomplishing goals. Uh, that process, I feel better about myself. Yes. Um, but then I still have to confront the fact that, like, it's not a, it's not a solution. It's, you know, it's a, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I think in order to accomplish something, you have to believe you can accomplish it, right? Nobody goes into anything going like, well, this is utterly impossible, but I'm going to try anyways. There's got to be a little, a little sense of hope there. I don't know. When I started this in 2018, I didn't have any idea this is where I was going to end up. Okay. I didn't start on February 5th, 2018, eating a ketogenic diet, and then I joined the gym the next day. Right. I had no idea I'd end up here. But were you looking for, was there some goal? There were little goals. Right. Like, I couldn't get off the floor. That was a big goal for me. Yeah. I mean, I literally couldn't get off the floor. My dog had gotten very sick. I got down on the floor with her and realized, holy crap, I can't get up. Right. So do I wait for my husband to come home or do I call 911? Like, what's the answer here? Yeah. And when she passed... I found myself eating all the things yeah. because there was so much emotion. 
you know, all the things that Taco Bell, all the carbs, all the, just, just anything I could get in me to, so I could numb myself. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, this isn't working either. Cause I was still miserable and I felt awful. I'm also a type two diabetic. Right. Right. So it's like, okay, this is stupid. And I'm not a spring chicken. Right. So we decided to start this. And really the first thing was be able to get off the floor without help. Right. And lower my A1C, my blood sugar numbers. Yeah. Because I don't want to die. I mean, I'll die someday, but let's not do it today. Sure. <laughs> let's push it off. Yeah. A couple years. Yeah. What, what is, I, 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 I have a, a fairly good comprehension of, of type one diabetes because I have a kid with that. How does type two diabetes work? Do you have to take insulin? Never, I've never taken insulin. Well, that's not true. One time when I was in the hospital with pneumonia, they gave me insulin. Okay. But that was also because they gave me graham crackers and cranberry juice as a snack. And I was on steroids and they lost their mind. Oh my God, your blood sugar is 300. We need to give you insulin. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This right. is your fault. Don't do this to me. Yeah. But no, I take oral medication, or I did take a lot of oral med medication. And over the years, it's been different meds. And now I'm down to just one a day. Okay. And that's it. And ha have those numbers improved? Oh, yeah. My A1C was 4.7 two weeks wow. ago. Yeah. That's great. That's crazy. Yeah, I know for sure that's a, that's a really good like, marker. Yeah. That's and I think a lot of it, though, is not just eating low carb, but also the exercise. Yeah. I hate to admit it that I have to do both now. Right. Like forever. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. So you, you so 2018 comes and that's I mean, that's the that's the small goal. Get yeah. up off the floor alone. Yes. Without yeah. having to call 911. Right. That was the thing. But it doesn't within that, there has to exist some idea that it's possible to achieve that. Certainly. I mean, every day I would see differences in myself. And now my phone will give me memories from 2019 or 2018. And I see how I looked and the difference is remarkable. Like it's such a difference. Yeah. And that certainly helps too. It's it's like a little pat on the back being able to put on a pair of jeans right. or when I, with a zipper, because I was not in, a, in jeans in a zipper. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember auditioning and getting the part for a music video. And the woman called me from wardrobe asking what size jeans I wore. And I said, I'm a size 32. And she said, 32 waist. And I said, no, you know, like size 14, 16, 18. I said, keep going. Right. That's the size I am. Right. She no concept. So yeah. that was the size I was. Yeah. Like I was over six feet around. I don't have any frame because I don't only know men's sizes. Right. And and we had our own version of that, certainly with like, I was up to five or six XL. Yeah. Um, but pants, 32, I was, I'm still <laughs> like, that doesn't seem that big. Oh, it's big. Yeah. 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 I was wearing a 5X shirt, 6X shirt. Right. But that was funny. I would wear the big shirt so I could cover my ass so nobody would know it was big, yeah. as if nobody right. would then know. <laughs> you can hide these things. Yes. Yes, I can hide in a white T-shirt at the beach. Right. It was very, very easy to do yes. that. Um, wh when, you, when you have body positivity at a large size, are you, were you, was it honest? That's a good question, because I do say a lot of it was denial, too, when I look back. I think it was like, 
if you say it, like build it and they will come kind of like field of dreams. Yeah. It's like the more you say, I'm okay with this, then the more you are okay with it. Right. You know, and also when I moved here, I was going to uh, BBW dances, big, beautiful women dances. And you, it was almost like high school. Like you'd go to these things and you'd meet men and you'd have fun and you'd feel beautiful and good about yourself. And it wasn't the everyday world of there's something wrong with you that needs to be fixed. Right. So it was definitely, it was good to be positive. Yeah. I mean, I, I really think it is good to be positive. I think, it, I think it's like some form of it, it, it. Like, I don't think delusion is good, but I think that there has to be some positivity because just to even attempt to do something like I can work towards the goal of not having to get up, not needing assistance to get up off the floor, whatever that level there requires some positivity, some belief in yourself. And I just wonder if, because I was so down on myself and I talk to people who are so down on themselves and I'm still so down on myself and I think it's bullshit and I think it's not healthy. And I think that like, I don't know that we can make positive gains if we're have this mantra of like, I suck all the time. That's my mantra. I'm filled with self-loathing and I'm filled with self-doubt. Driving here today, I was like, what the hell? I didn't hear from Paige for a week. I thought they changed their mind. It's because I suck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to talk to you because I think you, you have been on both sides. And I think that side is very interesting to me of body positivity. I never had it. And I, I think it's, I think it's good. I don't know if it's always a hundred percent honest. Well, but even then, I think it's good. Do you, does that make sense? It, it does. It does. It's You had Dr. Lustig on recently. Yeah. And he talked about how of if you take all the fat people, 20% are healthy. Like sure. 20% of them are metabolically healthy. Well, that other 80% are lying to themselves or kidding themselves. I would say that I was in that 80%. Right. Because going to Taco Bell and ordering six things is not healthy. Yeah. I had type 2 diabetes that I took a lot of medication so I'd have okay blood sugar. Right. So there was denial. The positivity, I think, is just to, like, get you out of bed in the morning. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if, if, if positivity really existed. There certainly wasn't a movement like there is today um, when I was younger, but... Well, there kind of was. There was NAFA. Okay. I don't the, na- the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance. Okay. They're not a fan of me. No? <laughs> no. Because you've reverted in their eyes. Well, yeah. And I think also when I did Oprah, I didn't get on their soapbox. Okay. You know, I you was just, just said, like, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. I love my body. And again, when I said that, I said it because this is the body I have. Right. I don't want to find myself on my deathbed having wasted my whole life hating myself. Yeah. So there's definitely like ups and downs of positivity. Like, you know, today I went to the gym and it was one of my best workouts to date. Like the cardio I did was amazing. I lifted amazing. And I wasn't shy about doing machines. I told a guy to get off a machine because I was ready. (laughs) You know, get off your phone. I'm here. (laughs) You know? We're waiting for your machine. Yeah, get off. So... That makes me feel positive. Like those are the gains that get me through. Sure. 
but I still look at myself. I mean, again, I've heard you talk about it. The skin. Oh, I, who knew? Well, yeah, but I, and then I go like, Lisa, are you and me destined to no matter what feel that way about something? Do do you know what I mean? Like, I've experienced all of that. I experience it every day. I get down to like sub single digit body fat percentages and I'm like not super thrilled. And it's like, well, motherfucker, what would you be (laughs) thrilled with? Like, at what point do you get to go? I won. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know know either. And so I I've been trying lately to just go cut yourself some slack. Yeah, everybody. I don't, I don't really think you can succeed. And I'm all about uphill battles and like um, having to fight through resistance and suffering. I actually enjoy suffering. But if you can't get out of this kind of loop of I am going to fail, I am terrible, I am worthless, I just don't see where you can go. And so when healthy at every size comes in and goes like, were people deserving of love or, you know, I don't even really know their message so much, but don't shit on yourself, basically. Well, but so this is funny. I talked to someone about this on another podcast, an amazing keto coach, Kim Howerton, a little plug for her because I love her. Yeah. Um, And she was talking that it's health at any size. And what that's about is that all people should be able to have health at any size. So a fat woman should be able to go to the gynecologist and not be berated for her size and get birth control just like a thin woman. Sure. Right? Now, I have had horrible experiences going to doctors, being treated horribly. I'd go for a sinus infection and they'd say, what are you doing about your weight? Right. It's like nothing. I got a sinus infection. Treat that. So that's what health at any size is. For someone to be able to go to the gym at 300 pounds and feel like they belong there just like someone else. Yeah. I really hope somebody uh, opens a gym. I guess Planet Fitness is maybe trying to do this where it is like, I want to see obese people at Absolutely. the gym. Nobody has more of a place there, in my opinion, than people who are overweight. Like Agreed. that's where that's what the gym is for. Come or if you, you know, if you if that's your goal. But I don't I never felt comfortable enough. I had to lose a hundred pounds before I was willing to step foot in a gym. You know, it's again, this is yeah. stupid. Like right. I don't think this is rational. It's not what I'm advocating for, certainly. Um yeah, so it's just a it's just a tricky place to be. It is tricky. And I isn't crunch also is there still a crunch gym i don't know i don't know either. i've been to a crunch gym my yeah. kids like equinox okay. but i'm not that's a little too trendy for me yeah yeah i just remember a million years ago going undercover for a television show with a camera and going to different gyms as a fat girl uh-huh. and then they send a thin girl in the next day with the same undercover camera yeah. to see which gyms treated us differently and was crunch better? crunch treated us great oh good us equally nice so yeah were there gyms that were not welcoming yes there were yeah i mean look i don't i don't uh I don't have any like objective thing. It's just the vibe, you know, the hair on the back of your neck can stand up. But when I walk into Equinox, I don't feel like I fit in there. Right. Everybody's really attractive. And I don't, and I literally go around. It doesn't matter what I look like. This is all subjective, you know, sure. at the end of the day. I just go like, 
this isn't for me. This is for people who came in already attractive. Right. They put their makeup on before the gym. Yes. I don't put makeup. I brush my teeth, but I don't put makeup on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do anything. Yeah. I, I, I basically wearing pajamas at the right. gym. Um, I mean, I, th I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that you had that goal. And I think it's amazing that you continue to, to make that goals. Now you will be keto forever. Uh, I will eat a ketogenic diet for the rest of my life. I think that's the best thing for my blood sugar. Yeah. That doesn't mean I won't eat carbs again. I mean, right. we went on a big vacation to Scotland and I, you know, drank whiskey and ate all kinds of stuff all the way through for three weeks Yeah, and came home. But this is interesting. I came home and then we spent a week eating the things we missed from being on keto. So like we went for Mexican food. First night I was fine, ate half my meal. I'm full, pushed the rest away. By the end of the week, I was going to the gym and eating a family sized bag of potato chips on the way home. Wow. Like I literally just watched the progression, like day one. Okay. Day two. Okay. Day three, rut row. Yeah. And by day four, it was like, ha, ha, ha. right? Yeah. So couldn't wait to get back on. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I, I multiple days um, where you're deviating, they, the, the ability to get back on or, or get back into a schedule compounds a bit. Yeah, I think with vacation, it was easier to be like, I just want to taste this. I'm on vacation. But when I was in my own world and my own routine, it was easy to just be like, yeah. throw it all up. You know, I lost one of my best friends to diabetes and obesity in 2019. And she and I were fat friends together. And so that's kind of like when I look at body positivity and denial, she and I met at a fat dance. Was she happy with herself? So I think yes and no. She certainly wasn't happy with her body failing. Oh, right. That right? Yes. And I think she felt... Like she didn't have any control over her body. She feels like her body did that to her. Yeah. Not that she had control over why that happened to her body. So I don't know. I just think that's that kind of denial. Is it really true body positivity? I don't know. I Yeah, I have nothing to base any of my assumptions on. I just know that if I tried to do it, it would be dishonest. I, I, I could, I mean, and, but I also believe that you can kind of make yourself do something and eventually get into the rhythm of it. So from that sense, I suppose I could get there eventually, but I try to do body positivity now and I still, it hasn't just taken over my thoughts. You know what I mean? It's become easier right. to not be so hard on myself. Well, when you take pictures of yourself and post them on social media, are you happy with how you look? Well, here, here's the thing. I hate posting pictures of myself on social media, and I'm never happy with the first one ever. Okay, yeah, me either. And, yeah, and so there's like, oh my, there's always the like, oh my God, what do I want to gross people out? Delete, try again, yeah. get an angle. You know, there's all of the that. The right angle. Yeah. The wall, I always have to be careful of the waddle. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a beard to cover mine. But if I didn't, that's the biggest thing. It's like, holy chicken yeah. neck. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm never happy with pictures of myself. Yeah. Ever. 
Uh, and then there will be one where I'm like, oh, I guess the veins in my forearms are standing out. That's cool. I'll post that one. And But it's never like, God, I look great. That's so funny. That's the thing for me. I love the way my arms look. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted little Linda Hamilton arms, even at like almost 400 pounds. I always wanted her arms. Right. Right. Yeah. And so now I'm like, bitching. I got those arms. I have a buddy named Stavros Haukius. He's a comedian. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. And I think he really does have an affection for his body that I, it just makes me utterly enamored with him. And, and, but even he is like, you know, I do want a bigger chest. I want a bigger chest. I want bigger arms, but everything else I'm fine with. And, and like, I don't, like, I'm like, fucking, you're the miracle, dude. <laughs> yes. You're the miracle. Because I think he, I don't think he's faking that, you know? Yeah. I, it's harder for me to comprehend when you get into people the size that I was and the size that it sounds like you were where we're actually morbidly obese. Yeah. Because Stavros, I think he's like barely chubby, you know what I mean? So it's not for me the same thing where I go like, I just don't. You know, but I think it's also subjective that as the culture shifts, that we could get to a day and age where it's like, that's totally normal. You know, I don't know. I don't either. I follow some girls on Instagram and I just want to ask them, like, how do you feel? Is it because you're 30? Because I know now that I'm 50, I don't, or 55, I don't feel as great as I did when I was 30. It was easier to be 350 pounds at 30. I certainly couldn't do it now. Yeah. And not have all kinds of body issues yeah yeah friday night i'm tired oh yeah i mean nine o'clock last night i said to my husband can we go to bed he says well it's so early i was like yes yeah it is i recently had work go uh just in the middle of the week like we're going to splits and so then it's like okay you're gonna be up till four in the morning and it's so shocking to my system that i'm like i'm not 85 like what's happening i feel exhausted you know when people starlets are hospitalized for exhaustion but you know they're talking about cocaine yes. i'm like no no this is real exhaustion like yes. i need an iv and stuff like that right totally totally yeah that that whole age thing is yeah yeah and i feel like i'm in the best truly i am in the best shape of my life yeah i mean i haven't been i've never been a thin adult or a, not that i'm thin now you look thin to me yeah i don't see it it's strange. Even when I put on this shirt today, I was like, okay, it's a large. How am I getting into a large? And it's blousey. Yeah. I know. Kim keeps telling me my clothes are too big. I need smaller clothes. I think you might. It's so funny. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I'm trying. So are your goals mostly set up around health now? My goals are set up around health. I have not had weight, like a number goal, until recently. Right now I'm in maintenance, yeah. and I'm going to cut in January. I know I can't cut now. That's just silly. It's the holidays coming and keto baking and all that. So starting in January, I'll cut again. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. So being in maintenance is crazy because I've still lost seven pounds in maintenance. Yeah. And I think that's because I'm back in the gym. I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, But a million years ago, I did OptiFast. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I got down to 167 pounds. I would like to see 167. So like, that's kind of my goal now. Now that I've surpassed having lost 200 pounds, which was kind of a neat idea. Yeah. 
I'd like to see 167. Okay, I I, I think it's not appropriate because I have a wife and four daughters oh. to ask what weights are. But in the scheme of things, how far off is this? Another seven start? pounds. Oh my God! Yeah. So I, I think I can do that in January. I think if you've done that while doing maintenance, which isn't really even maintenance, if you're losing weight, then it's going to be no problem. It's I've been like up and down. Right. You know, I'm testing the waters with things. I still nuts can't do nuts. Because okay. I just I fall down the rabbit hole. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll weigh them and go, okay, so 10 macadamia nuts is a serving. And then I'll eat a handful while I'm weighing them. <laughs> right. Yes. And you've, you've yeah. compounded your yeah, servings. At least. Yeah. I've, I've done the Trader Joe's bag of macadamia nuts before. Oh, and you eat the whole one thing. Sitting. And it's yeah, a that's thousand a, calories. Yeah, that's snack sized. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, do you find keto to be a tough lifestyle to adhere to? Um, it's tough because I'm an addict Yeah. in that regard. So yeah, that makes it difficult, but I find that I like my own cooking better. You know, I don't, I don't have full, like I don't, that's not a thing that my body has. I don't have satiated. There's another keto doctor that I like a lot. Dr. Ken Berry. It's kind of cuckoo, but he's smart. And he always says, eat to satiety. Just eat all the fatty meat you want to satiety. And I'm like, dude, I don't have that. Like if I make a pound of bacon, I'll eat a pound of bacon. Yeah. So I can't do that. Don't you always think when they say these things that they just assume that there is a switch? Where Because my version of full is literally uh, my stomach is stretched taut. Oh, yeah. I'm going to puke. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I can go. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Still. Yeah. So I have to. So with keto, is it hard? Yes and no. Because you do have to be aware, like pounds of bacon, you, you probably won't lose weight. Doing right. That. And it's that whole fine line of like, is it just calories in, calories out? Or do carbs matter? Or are there are carbs different? Are some carbs different than other carbs? For my body, definitely. Yeah. Some carbs are different than others. I test my blood sugar all the time just because I like the numbers. I'm always sure. curious. And I can see that if I eat certain things, certain things work for me, certain things don't. I can't eat salad, which is... Because of the carbs. Not because of the carbs. I gain weight. I don't know if it just makes me bloat or if my stomach doesn't like it. Salads make me gain weight. Okay, but if you're saying salads make me gain weight, are you talking about over statistical time where you can really judge if there's fat increase? Are you talking about overnight? Overnight. Yeah, well, that could be water totally it could be like even i listen my body becomes very um uh, susceptible to sodium as i'm losing weight Mm. and and like you know i doubt that it's enough really to do it but vegetables do have naturally have sodium in them i don't know if you're salting your food or what i use a ton of salt i'm a crazy salter so i don't think it's the salt but i think it's just it just kind of backs me up i just Right. It just fills me up and then it doesn't go anywhere for a long time, not to be like TMI. But sure. I think that's what salad does to me. Yeah. So then it messes with my head when I get on the scale because I'm also a habitual weigher. Right. I mean, Every many day. times a day. Many times oh, a day. Oh, yes. Wow. And that started way back when I had my my body positivity epiphany. I was still living in San Diego and I was driving home from work, not paying attention, slammed on my brakes. And when I did that, all of my fat just was like rippling, like, oh, right. And I started screaming at myself. I just hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And I was crying. I'm going to cry right now. I really hated myself. Yeah. And I got home and the first thing I did was weigh myself. 
And then I got off the scale, took off my clothes, got back on the scale, and then picked up my clothes to see the difference in the scale and then caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror. And was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, is this the life you want to live? And that's when you started on body positivity? That was what started me on body positivity was that moment. And then I discovered NAFA. And then I discovered all this other stuff. I started doing stand-up comedy in San Diego. And I was making fun of myself doing stand-up. But somehow it's easier if I'm making fun of me than if someone else is like screaming fat pig out a car window. Sure. And then I moved to L.A. and started doing stand-up. And when I moved to L.A., that's when I discovered the dances for big women and the men who want them and met my friend. And it was like this whole new world for me. It was like the high school I didn't get to have. Yeah. I got to have at 30. Yeah. I mean, like that sounds I never heard of a thing. Uh, there's no version of that for dudes that I'm aware of. Oh, there. Yeah. I mean, at those dances, there would be big guys and the girls who wanted them as well. Really? Oh, yeah. I never heard of any of this. <laughs> um but that sounds like it's set up to at least make you feel better about yourself. Absolutely. And it and it was helpful. It was helpful. But certainly there was still self-loathing and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe everybody just has bouts of self-loathing too, you know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Like I know I, I do. <laughs> I, I I look at other people and I'm like you have nothing to hate yourself over. Right. You peasants, you don't know what it's like to really despise yourself. Yeah. And then I go like, how the fuck do I know? That guy could have 400 things that I would go like, oh, that's really bad. That's awful. Yeah. yeah. You, you do. You are a creep or something, you know. Um, yeah, I got, I don't know if they're a benefit. I just think that if people feel crummy about themselves and are, there are avenues for them to feel better about themselves. I'm all for them. I'm for it. I think now after watching my friend die and having lost other friends as well, I think there still needs to be some, like, it's okay to be positive and it's sure. good to be positive, but there's also that denial. Well, like, yeah, I mean, look, I'm envious of people who smoke. Oh, yeah. I don't think that... People who smoke are generally going like, this is perfectly fine to do. Or, you know, I'm I'm just I have lungs that are just as healthy as a non-smoker. So that's where I get into a little bit of the suspicion of that movement where I'm like, look, if a person's healthy, fine. If a person's not healthy, fine. None of my business, really. I don't care right. personally whether people are healthy or not. This is not some goal I have for people. Um, health, generally. I do care about my friends. I do care about my family. I hope that they're not making decisions that are adversely affecting their health as they felt for me for a long time, but I was. Um, but the bottom line is, like, if I don't think you have to necessarily lie to yourself in order to feel better about yourself. Like, I don't think a cigarette smoker needs to be shamed in the same way that I don't think a fat person needs to be shamed. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that's something different, though. The whole shame thing is a lot different than positivity. Right. Right. That whole, like, we need to shame people so that they lose weight. I'm not into that's, it. No, that's, yes, that makes me hot. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. Because that doesn't make a difference. Honestly, it's that whole, like, 
If a smoker sees that commercial with a woman smoking through the hole in her neck, it just makes him want to smoke more. F that. I want to go smoke. I mean, George Burns lived to over 100. He smoked. Right. I'll be George Burns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, whatever the rationalization is, I I, um, was listening to Dak Shepard talk about his life and some thing he was doing that people were upset with him about. And he was like, look, if I... I'm shaving a couple years off my life, but I'm going to be much happier with the time that I have. That's okay. That's a fine decision for me. And, and I just go at the end of the day, like, I think, I don't think delusion is good. I don't, I don't think statistically a person who's morbidly obese is as healthy as a person who is not statistically. I also don't give a shit. Like, right. This is not any of my business really, you know? Um, And so I just wish there were, you know, I kind of don't care what makes them happy either. If they feel good about themselves, I just think it's better than this kind of malaise that I I think generally was the consensus of fat people prior to whatever, whenever this started to really culturally change and but now the thing that bothers me is that um a lot of these claims are so kind of silly that it, you then get people attacking them. Right. When it's like why don't we just not make that claim and say I like myself. Like I like myself is pretty much for me where it starts and ends. Right. And I don't have that. Like I'm envious of that sensation, you know? I do know. Yes. And it, it... The delusion, I my, when my friend was so sick, she always said she didn't want to be deprived. And then she lost a toe, and then she lost another toe, and then she had kidney failure. And it was like, so you're not depriving yourself of food, but you're depriving yourself of everything else. Yeah. You know, and she, I don't think she ever hated herself. Right. She had the most amazing singing voice. <laughs> she had type 2 diabetes? Type 2 diabetes. And never was given insulin. Oh, she was on insulin. Oh, okay. She was on a lot of insulin. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Because it's fairly manageable. Yeah. I mean, I managed it for years eating all the things. Yeah. Just with oral medication. I test all the time. Right. Like even then I was testing all the time. My fingers are sore. <laughs> and your friend was just not managing it? Mm-mm. No. Yeah. One of the um the guys from Tribe Called Quest was also not managing his diabetes. And um, it was very upsetting. I'm buddies with Q-tip and it was very upsetting for him. And like, I think people gave him a hard time about this because he was like adamant about this guy. And it's like, you know, look at a certain point, if you're investing in a person by having a relationship with that person and they're doing something actively to destroy themselves, it's hard to feel anything but like resentful about that you know yeah it's interesting you had another guest uh, michael malice talking about a friend that he had lost to obesity and he had asked was there anything he could have done and i know for myself having gone through it with my friend and i know having been a big girl there's nothing that anybody could have ever said to me that would have made the difference yeah nothing would have made the difference for her nothing would have made the difference for me it was me having to have that moment that aha moment yeah. That I needed to do something. But even then it was a day. This whole process for two and a half years has been day by day. Yeah. It's not been, I'm doing this to lose weight or I'm doing this to be hundred percent healthy. It was like, just get through today. Yeah. I'm a, 
sober person also and and have you know all the eating addictions or bad eating habits that a person could possibly have and um having come through that i've had instances where somebody has said will you talk to my son will you talk to my brother will you talk to my mm. husband and i had done that 20 years ago um mostly this would be about drugs and alcohol and i just found that generally people don't really change until they want to change and they decide to change and now it's possible that many instances of letting a person know you care about them and you're rooting for them and and your perception of what they're doing is destructive maybe that adds up to getting them to change eventually but I haven't found that for me, it was never successful when people sat down and talked to me and said, look, we love you. We think you're killing yourself. I, you know, I would kind of want them to stop saying that. So I would be amenable to anything they were saying. And then the minute there was distance, I'd be like, Whew, well, yeah. that's done. Yeah, I got to go eat something. Yeah. Um, so that but that that becomes a tricky situation, too, you know, and much with the way drugs and alcohol are regulated, I think um, we would probably have just as bad outcomes if we regulated the way oh, people ate. That Yeah, no regulation. That's the worst. Yeah. That, black market Taco Bell. Right, yeah. <laughs> Don't need or to do like, that. If you're only allowed to get one taco and then right. you're like, you know, grabbing people in the street, I need to put a six yeah. pack together, you know, exactly. can you buy me a taco? Uh, there would be some version of that. Oh, yeah, I'm I'd sure. stand outside and offer kids money to go buy me food. Yeah, I did that when I was a kid to get booze. Uh, oh, yeah. um, I want to talk about this um, uh, addictive eating and, and, and using food as a comfort because I... I definitely um, found, and it was much clearer to me, this this analogy became much clearer to me after I stopped doing drugs and I could really look at them for, with some distance of like, I am uncomfortable in life and taking drugs separates me somehow from existing in this moment with this discomfort. And food largely does the same thing, but it got for me to the point where I was hiding my food. Oh. So it was this weird thing of like comforting myself alone, mm -hmm. you know, but I guess I had to hide drug use too. Um, you're not walking down the street doing drugs generally. I guess you can now, not when <laughs> I did them. Um, but then you got to experience the the comfort of detachment or this calming numbness that these things would bring. Yeah, I absolutely did that. I hid in my house and ate. Yeah. You know, drive through. This was before you could order like, well, we had Pink Dot. Right. Order Pink Dot. I remember ordering food with my friend and them coming and saying it was $80. And we're like, hey, what did we order? Because yeah. we would just bring us all the food. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I remember Pink Dot. You could get a pasta and a sandwich. Exactly and the all sandwich. Oh, they made the best veggie sandwiches. I was a vegetarian when I was 385 pounds. So. Right. Yeah, that obviously didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, was it a, was it a thought uh, of health or was it a thought of eating animals? Loss? Freaks me out. Right, it still does. Is it you're keto now? You I know. kind of can't escape it. You can't escape it. Right, I'm just very grateful. Yeah, for them. <laughs> when you when you eat them, yes. you are thinking positively about them. Yeah, so I try not to think about them at all, and then afterwards think positively. Because yeah. if I think about the sweet little piggy while I'm eating a pound of bacon, it's 
not good. <laughs> yeah. My uh, daughter wanted to get a rabbit when oh. she was four or five. And she said to me, can we get this rabbit? And I said, yeah, we can get a rabbit. And then she like got four steps away and turned around and came back and said, dad, I think we got to get two in case you want to eat one of them. Oh, and I, and I, and I, I never ate her rabbit. I never thought about eating her rabbit, but this was a very much concern of hers. That's very funny. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Or very twisted that that's what a five-year-old thought of her dad. Yeah, when I was a little girl, my dad was showing me my baby baby animal book, and he said, that's what we're having for dinner. Yeah. I still can't eat lamb. Right. Yeah, nope. He ruined it for he you. He ruined lamb for me. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, it is. It can be. It can become questionable. I was eating um, roast suckling pig and oh. roast suckling lamb at the oldest restaurant on earth in Madrid. Wow. Uh, I'm forgetting what it's called, Boutin maybe. And my wife was pregnant at the time. And there came a point where I suddenly realized that the things that I was eating actually looked like little babies on a serving dish. And I had to stop. It grossed me out. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it was delicious. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Food's delicious. Yeah. And so you still want to eat all the things. Always. Yeah. Even driving here, I was like, oh, Benito's. Oh, yeah. They know my order. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? I don't go to Benito's. Yeah. I just don't because it's still in me. And that I still don't like to leave my house very much. Like it's still a thing for me to leave. And I think that is all throwback to being big. I think I hid. I think all of it was about hiding, yeah. hiding in my body, hiding with food, hiding in my little apartment, now hiding in my house. I mean, I have a husband now, so it's not, I'm not completely hiding. Right. I've got someone else to hide with me. Yeah. Although he would like to go out more. <laughs> I think it becomes very tricky to eat at restaurants too, because if you're trying to be in total control of what you eat, you never really know what they're putting in the food. And then I, you know, my wife is happy to send stuff back if it's not exactly the way she ordered it. I'm not. It makes me uncomfortable to do that. I'm always afraid they're going to spit in it or yeah. do something gross to my food. Yeah. Yeah. And it is hard. And we just went to a restaurant that we used to love and it was horrible service and horrible food. And it's like, well, darn it. That's like one place I knew I could get what I could eat. Right. And now we can't go there anymore. And they're off the list. Off the list. Yeah. And especially with the way the world has been, it's been a little hard to go to restaurants anyway. So I've gotten really good at cooking. Do you care about sweet things at all? I don't have much of a sweet tooth. Yeah. For me, it's savory. I have a, a popcorn potato chip nachos kind of thing right in fact it's funny this saturday night i have a plan to have popcorn for the first time since 2019 oh wow i don't know if i'm gonna do it it may happen my husband goes to the symphony and i don't go because i don't need to spend 150 dollars to sleep in public sure <laughs> so when he goes i will have popcorn i think and i th is popcorn it really i mean it's not like table sugar no it's not like eating table sugar it's not like eating a bag of doritos right i just it's mostly air it's mostly air yeah and yummy deliciousness salt i hope you have the popcorn <laughs> and i hope it's not doesn't send you off on some terrible path oh it won't yeah i just hope i don't feel sick like that's really right. the concern but then maybe if i feel sick i won't want it anymore no it's not true i'll totally want it when you when you <laughs> When you went on your week back from vacation and you found yourself having bags of potato chips in the car, 
Did you feel sick after that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And boy, I was so much self-flagellation. Like, I was so, I hate you. How can you do this? Look what you've done. How far you've come, and now here you are. But again, like, I think this is a narrow line that a little bit of it is good, because if we didn't have awareness, and again, it's all subjective, good and bad. I don't think this is real, but we can determine based on our goals, what's good and bad, right and wrong for us. And if we have a goal, but we cannot determine things that are going to take us away from it, then there's no way to achieve that goal. Right. But if we go so far in damaging ourselves based on not 100% adherence, I think it can become equally hard to get back on because if you're if you're so worthless that one thing is going to ruin your achieving this goal, then like, what's the point? Right. Right. I get that. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tricky thing to navigate. Yeah. It is tricky. And I think, you know, it's funny. I remember the night before we went back on, I was standing over the sink eating nectarines because I, didn't want to throw them out and I had them left. And so it's not like it's bad food, but I found it was like that all those old tapes of just eating and and eating in secret. So nobody could see me. And that stuff concerns me. Like I still worry that that's still in me like a demon. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't ever want to eat. I mean, it's not possible, possible for me to not eat alone because like I eat my car after I go to the gym I'm sitting in my car alone I want to get that food in me as quick as possible but it's utterly planned it's not like I'm at a restaurant looking at a menu making decisions in that moment right but this idea of eating stuff that's a a a departure from the plan I can't I cannot do that alone I can't have bites of stuff alone because it is such a a gateway to past behavior for me that was utterly detrimental. Yeah, me as well. Yeah. Me as well. That's why I think with the popcorn, if I do eat it, I will be fine. Yeah. I just don't want to feel awful about it. Like I don't want Well, to- you've come on here and we're talking to a bunch of people and you're yeah. saying it. So you're not strictly doing it in secret. Right, exactly. And now I and that's part of the whole social media thing. Why I do the social media that I do because it keeps me honest. Yeah. It's kept me accountable. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll take a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should post it and you should talk about it. I mean, I think that's the way to fight these things. If we have the urge to do something in secret, that we should just be as open as possible about it. Yeah. I think that that can be successful. And I think we have to be a little bit kinder to ourselves. Because if I just don't see the point in trying to do, first of all, there's many things that can trip you up. It's like if you, if you already believe you, you fully understand something, then you're never going to learn anything about that, right? If you already think that you're going to fail at something, then you're never going to achieve that. Like I, I get in my own way so much. And that's all I'm trying to do now is like get out of my way so I can succeed and be happy. And like, and everything I've said, I, I hope there's some understanding that it's improving. Absolutely. You know, it's not just 
depression and all of this. There's a little of that, but it's better. Yeah. It is better. For me as well. Yeah. Definitely. Good. And I think too, back to the question of is keto hard? I have found how to like change it as I've gone. Like in the beginning, I was super high fat. Now I'm more high protein. So I just find like what works, what doesn't. And I just have to be willing to give up my habits in my food. Well, look, you seem to be on a path that's working for you. You look great. And there's some like the one thing that I run into sometimes with keto, because I experienced it myself, was this idea that if I don't eat carbohydrates, I won't gain weight or I'll, I'll always lose weight okay. despite what I'm eating. And so I would eat a pound of cheese and multiple packs of bacon and go like, why didn't I lose weight? You know, so yeah. that to me, I think some people come into it and go like, no, you will just naturally eat less. And it's like, motherfucker, you don't know what I can <laughs> exactly. do. I can eat. Yes, that's you know? what I do. Yeah. I'm an eating machine. Right. You say, here's what's on the menu and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, so I think it's good that you're aware of that because you're going to have success. So far. Yeah. So far. And, and I don't know that this will be forever. Right. It's funny. I still have to give up a lot of my fat clothes. Right. And I have piles of them. And I keep like, I gave a couple bags away a few weeks ago. And it was like, I had grief about it. Like I was like, what if I need those again? <laughs> yeah. I'm going into like my fourth year at roughly this size. Um, you know, like maybe 10 pounds on either side of where I am right now. But generally, I've been wearing the same clothes for four years. And I have a lot of clothes for a bigger me mm -hmm. in the closet that my wife is like, you're never going to wear this again. And I'm not totally convinced of that. Yeah, I'm not either convinced of it for myself. I'm yeah. just not. What happens if I need, if I do wear that size again, and then I've thrown away the one jacket that was hard to find? Right, exactly. Yeah, I have this one sweatshirt. I wore it in Amsterdam. I love this sweatshirt. I can't wear it. It's a 5X. Yeah. It will swim on me. Yeah. I can't give it away. Yeah. And I have the memories. The memories are there, very strong. Right. But I don't want to give it up. <laughs> I know. I don't really either. Um, isn't that strange? It is strange. Yeah. It is very strange. I don't know. And, and it's weird because I still think of myself as the fat lady. You're not fat. <sighs> I didn't say it for you to say that. I Thank understand. <laughs> but I mean, you, but I think it's also important that you are told that because, yeah, I mean, I still think of myself as a fat guy and, and I don't know that there's any, um, amount of being told that I'm not that that's going to change that for me. Yeah. And I feel like people don't look at me like they used to, which I guess is a good thing. But don't you kind of like wear a, want to wear like a little sign that says, this is how I used to look? I'm not totally sure people don't look at me the way they used to. I'm not convinced of that. I still, I, I don't know. I think in the gym, people still look at me like the fat girl. I'm pretty really? sure of that. Yeah, I still feel that way in the gym. Yeah. And of course, you look over at the mirror and you're like, yeah, see, I look, that's the fat girl. I see her. I look around the gym and just go like, I'll get to that guy's level. Yeah. That's what I'm doing most yeah. of the time. There's some really strong people at my gym. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that guy's been doing this for a while. I got 10 years left, <laughs> you know? 
I'm still a little intimidated in the little in their free weight area. Today it was really busy, so I kind of did not go near there. I think you should get over that. Yeah. I I, I don't like crowded spaces either, but I think if there's an open station that you should be able to assert that you have, you know, because again, and and I I have to talk myself into this too. Who do I want to see at the gym? People who are out of shape. What do I identify with or associate myself with yeah. is a person who's out of shape. So if that's true, then I have to welcome myself first. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. It, it, it's it's a weird game, mental exercise to play, but I think I think that's what we've got to do in order to succeed because I was the guy who was 500 pounds and I couldn't have stepped foot in the gym simply because I I would have had a panic attack or felt so so much social anxiety that I wouldn't have been able to do anything. I I want people that are in that state who want to come to the gym to feel that it's okay. And so if I'm there and I'm going like, yeah, there's five really fit people, I don't want to fuck up their view by going up and standing (laughs) near them. You know what I mean? Like, I got to get over that. Yeah. You got to get over that. I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. (laughs) I'm glad we've just had therapy and we feel better about ourselves. Thank you. You shed like a nickel over your head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lisa, this has been such a fun conversation. Thank so you so much. Fun. Thank you. Thank Can you we so much. do a check-in again? Would love it. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of thing um I think is helpful for me too, because we talked about stuff and then we can just check back in and see how we're doing. Absolutely. I would love that. All right, good. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. And now for the QA. So this is sort of weird because I picked this because I don't want you to answer it. (laughs) It's weird to say that, but this is is a a mean person. No, this is a nice lady named Erin. Hi, Erin. I mean, I'm I'm now. I mean, my interest is peaked. I'm kidding. It's not that I don't want you to answer it. I just remembered an episode that we had early on and I'll get to that. Okay, so um, she's a 43 year old married mom of a four year old. She says. I've never been heavy when I was younger, but it seems like for the past 10 years, I've put on weight consistently, and now I'm 20 pounds overweight. This year, I realized that this issue is not going to improve with short-term changes, so I hired a virtual trainer, and I've had that person for the last three to four months. I'm working out three days a week, definitely feeling stronger. Nice. That part is great, but the weight is still stubborn. Even after tracking calories and trying to intermittent fast 12 to 16 hours a day, the diety methods of tracking and calorie reduction that I used to use in the past just don't seem to work for me lately. I think being a middle-aged woman and my fluctuating hormones are just more challenging than I'm being honest about. I'm a huge fan. I've listened to 75% of your episodes, but I was curious if you had any suggestions for a woman my age and situation. Our hormones make our bodies different from men's, and I'm not sure what changes would be the best bang for my buck to see real progress. I'm, I was kidding. It's not that I don't want you to answer it, but... I feel like I'll get in trouble now if I answer no, it. No, I, I really shouldn't have said that. 
I just remember we had Dr. Bo, really amazing uh, doctor on kind of early on in the podcast, if you scroll back, and he talked about women like this is real. And I'm a middle-aged woman. Yeah, and so you answer. I don't have anything to say other than like you really should ta- check with a doctor and go, hey, is there a hormonal imbalance? Like what is happening? Because I do think we're different than boys bodies and I remember Dr. Bo like just acknowledging that and going yeah it is something like you should not everybody can you know go to a fancy nutritionist or this or that but there must be some way you can check on your hormones but I do want to hear what you have to say I'm not trying to answer it I was just saying you got to see a doctor don't you think I feel like this is an elaborate setup to get me canceled no I feel like I shouldn't have started that way (laughs) I I totally agree okay I have no idea what it what what it is to be a girl or in a girl's body and for sure the biology is very different yeah and i think at my age stuff slows down so at uh and we're roughly i'm older than she is by a little bit but we're roughly the same age and so i would just assume that uh, stuff is slowing down for women too and yeah, get it checked out. I, I I don't know. I don't have like a solution for her, but I'm sure, you know, that in in my 20s, I could have eaten more than I could eat today. And listen, in my 20s, I was 500 pounds. So, but I was eating everything inside. I was doing compulsive stuff. But even still, I would bet that I could be in a deficit and eating more than I can today. Yeah. Because stuff slows down. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't see why not get that checked. I get blood work all the time. I want to make sure that I'm running in as top order that I that I can. And um, I, I, that would be my suggestion to get do some blood work and look for that stuff. And then if your doctor says, no, your thyroid's fine. By the way, I, I was always rooting for that the doctor to go like you have low thyroid i was uh, you know i always have my fingers crossed about this it never happened yeah i had that too because i knew some girl some super thin girl who's like i just have this thyroid thing and i take this one pill and i'm just like so thin yeah (laughs) yeah never happened fuck those people seriously okay so see your doctor such a valid thing though and i think women should just be aware of that it is a valid thing it's not an excuse to just say oh whatever and she's obviously putting a lot of effort in but yeah it's 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 something it's real it's something and and get it checked out and then if everything's running as it should be and you go like well stuff just slows down but not to the point where we need to medicate it you might need to go into a slightly deeper caloric deficit Mm. you know that's another thing like i would crunch i would type in numbers into the calculators the 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 calorie calculators the yeah metabolic uh bmr calculators basal metabolic rate ratio whatever how many calories do i need google and google sends you to these websites that have calculators and you type them in and you get a number and you go like oh i have so many calories and no i actually don't because i had to learn over a couple of weeks that going into a slight deficit on this number isn't doing it. I have to actually go a little bit lower. Oh, that's actually super helpful. Right. Cause maybe she, we don't know if she's done that yet. Go yeah. to Google and type that in or whatever. Yeah. However you're determining your calories. I don't think those are absolute figures. Right. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you need to go a little bit lower than 
I'm loath to tell people to eat less because I think that when people are on diets, a lot of the times, simply because this was my experience, I would often diet into severe restriction that was not sustainable over the long term, or I would do it for 40 or 60 days and then I would binge eat and gain all the weight back. And so I don't, I don't think people should do that, but if you're going like, you know, um, if you're going like, I'm allowed 2000 calories a day and I'm going to go to 1700, maybe you need to go to 1600, maybe you need to go to 1500. I don't know. That's, that's what I would suggest. Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, if you have a question that you'd like answered on this podcast, please email it to americanglutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>